I would normally wait to share this as at the business meeting, but I'll go ahead and and make it known that the investment in our new heater is obviously uh, a, a sound investment. It works. It really works. I was scared that I was going to have to give Glenn mouth to mouth if he passed out up here. It would be a shame if someone broke the new heater so that it was cool in here on Sunday mornings again. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. We're taking some time at the beginning of this new year to review our mission and our plan for accomplishing it. Our mission is to glorify God by making disciples. To reflect and to declare and to lead others to declare the greatness of God through reaching those who aren't followers of Christ and through teaching those who are followers of Christ. And our plan for accomplishing this mission is to involve our church members in worshiping, studying, praying, serving, and witnessing. That is the way that we propose biblically to make disciples to the glory of God is involving them in these five things. From our plan, I'm taking five weeks to preach messages on five activities or five spiritual disciplines that are vitally important to our accomplishing the church's mission and to your, as an individual church member, your part in accomplishing the church's mission. The first message was on the subject of church attendance. It's a big, big part of what we mean by worshiping. The second message was on the subject of Bible study. And it's what we mean when we talk about studying, studying the Bible in our worship services, in our Sunday school classes, in small groups, in our private time with the Lord, and in times of leading our family to worship and study as well. This morning, I come to the third message, and it is on the subject of prayer. We seek to glorify God by making disciples through involving our church members in prayer or praying. Andrew Murray was a great 18th or 19th century pastor from Scotland who worked and pastored in South Africa for much of his life, he said, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. Charles Spurgeon said that prayer can never be in excess. Now, his quote about excess reminded me of another Spurgeon quote, which has nothing to do with prayer, but does have to do with 
Exeus. Spurgeon is, in my opinion, the greatest English-speaking preacher of all time. But if you know anything about him, you may also know that he smoked cigars. And he was confronted about that numerous times as being unbefitting of a of a man of God. And they asked him, did he think it was a sin? And he said, no. And then someone asked him, well, when would it become a sin? And he said, I guess if I did it in excess. And then they asked him, well, when would it become in excess? And he said, I suppose if I smoked two at a time, it would be in excess. But to our subject, he said prayer can never be in excess. John Wesley said prayer is where the action is. E.M. Bounds, a Methodist preacher who, by the way, pastored First Methodist Church in Selma, said talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. Oswald Chambers said, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, Our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the character of our prayer life. J.I. Packer wrote in Knowing God, which we're studying in Preacher Boys and Beginning a study on for anyone who wants to be a part of it this afternoon at 445, Packer wrote, People who know their God are before anything else people who pray. The apostles asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. You ever thought about that? They didn't say teach us to preach. Teach us to serve. Teach us to administrate. I didn't ask him that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, all of this is true. And most of us, if not all of us, know that it's the truth. But sometimes, maybe even most of the time, we don't act like it, do we? I pray that today changes that. I pray that today would move us to prayer as a church. And that it would move us to prayer as individual church members, individual believers. Look at our text, beginning in verse 18 of Ephesians 6. It says, pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request. And stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in Him to speak as I should. From this passage, I'm going to give us some motivations to prayer, some encouragements to prayer. So I pray that, that we'd all receive it that way. First, 
Prayer is a way that we receive God's strength. Prayer is a way that we receive God's strength. These few verses on the subject of prayer are set in the context of Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 and following. And verses 10 through 17 are very, very familiar. They're on the subject of spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And it's because of what we read at the beginning of that section, that passage, that I say that prayer is a way we receive God's strength. Look at verse 10. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord. And because prayer is set within this context, we make the argument, I make the argument biblically that prayer is a way that we receive this strength of God, a way we're strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. It's the way we get really strong and the Lord from whom we take it is vast in His strength. Verse 11 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Prayer is the way that we put on the armor of God. Prayer supplies us with strength for standing against the schemes, the devices of Satan. Verse 12, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Prayer supplies us then with strength for this battle we are in. And it is a battle not against other people, not against earthly things, but against spiritual things. Powerful, powerful entities. Forces of evil that are out of this world. Verse 13. This is why you must take up the full armor of God. So that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand. Prayer gives us strength. To resist in the day of evil. It gives us strength to resist in these evil days. In days of great trial or temptation in our life, prayer prepares us for that with strength from above. This passage about prayer, this message about prayer is not about the power of prayer itself. Prayer is not a source of strength. God is. It's about the power and the strength of God. Prayer, though, is a conduit through which we receive the power of God through which we tap into the strength, the vast, limitless strength of God. It's a way that we plug into God, if you will. 
and stay plugged in to the power of God. In spite of what the thing hanging on the wall says, prayer doesn't change things. But God does. And prayer is what connects us to God so that He in turn can change things. So a Christian that doesn't pray is a weak Christian. Right? A Christian that doesn't pray, a Christian that doesn't practice the spiritual discipline of regular, routine prayer is a weak believer. And the same would be true for the church that doesn't pray, that isn't characterized by prayer. Would it be out of the realm of possibility then to suggest that our lack of power individually and our lack of power as the church and as local churches has something to do with a lack of prayer? I know that in my own life, My lack of power is directly attributable to my lack of prayer. A lack of prayer explains our falling repeatedly instead of standing. A lack of prayer explains our losing the battles that we're fighting every day. And could anyone testify that every day is a battle? It explains our losing many of those battles. Our lack of prayer explains our weakness in this spiritual warfare in which we're engaged. It explains our lack of resistance. Sometimes we lose battles and they're like the six-day war. Except they may be six seconds for us. Not much resistance at all. Lack of prayer explains our lack of preparation. For many of us, we wait to pray until the situation for prayer arises. And at that point, it's often too late. This passage, this context speaks of being prepared for when that day of battle comes. Prayer does that. So if you want to be strong, believer... And win day by day. Church, if we want to be strong and win day after day after day, we must pray. Because prayer is a way that we receive God's strength. Second, prayer is a matter of obedience. Prayer is a a matter or an issue of obedience. In verse 18, it begins with the command to pray. Jesus issued a similar command when in Matthew chapter 6, He said, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, because prayer is a command for the follower of Christ. Jesus went on in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6 to say, when you pray, pray like this. This is how you should pray. And we find similar commands to pray throughout the Bible. 
especially specific prayers like this in the New Testament or commands to pray like this in the New New Testament. So, prayer then is is a matter of obedience, just like church attendance is. Just like Bible study is. When I mention that the people of God should be faithful in church attendance like I did two weeks ago. And then last week when I talk about how we should be a people characterized by Bible study. And today from this passage when I say that we should be a people who faithfully pray. I'm not being a legalist. And there are some within the Christian community who think that way whenever any command is mentioned. That we're beyond commands, we're beyond rules. All of that's under the old covenant. And so in their thinking, any demand, any command is an example of legalism. Now, saying that we should attend church and study our Bible and pray isn't legalism. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a good work that we were prepared before time ever began to walk in them. It is something that makes us like Jesus. Do you know why the disciples of Jesus requested that He teach them to pray? Because they saw Him pray. They heard Him pray. And it impacted them so greatly that they just had to find out how He did it because they knew there was something drastically different between His prayer life and theirs. Folks, if Jesus needed to pray, then I will absolutely guarantee you that there is not one of us who doesn't need to pray. And I would even make the argument that as much as Jesus prayed, we would need to pray that much more. Because while He was human, He was also God. And when we're considering our composition, there's no God in it. We're just human. When we don't pray then, it's disobedience. And disobedience, of course, is just another word for sin. So a failure to be faithful in our prayer lives, individually or as a church, calls for repentance on our part, right? Confession on our part, acknowledging that it is sin, a grievous sin that we need to turn from and forsake. And that got me to thinking about what drives the people who pray the most to pray? And what I came up with is obviously they love Jesus the most. Prayer is fueled by love. It is not a chore for us to talk with people that we love, that we really love, to share our lives with people that we love, really love. 
And so a problem in the area of prayer would indicate a problem with our love for God. And then what we should do is begin to do the things and seek the things that will cause us to love God more. That will cause us to love Christ more. And prayer is one of those things. So we pray to love God more. And when we do love God more, we will pray all the more. Prayer is a matter of obedience. Third, prayer is a necessity for life. Verse 18 says, pray at all times. And it reminds me very much, and maybe you too, of the command in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, which says, pray constantly or pray without ceasing. Now that obviously doesn't mean that we're to pray 24-7, right? We can't. But it does mean that we are to always be in a spirit or attitude of prayer or never very far from actually praying. It means that we're always to be Godward focused in our lives. That our attention is never to be too far removed from God. To pray at all times means that we understand that we are absolutely dependent on God. That we need Him. That we need His power. That we need His life. That we need His help. Just like we need water and food and air. We need prayer. It's a necessity for life. Meaning that the believer can't do without it. You can't live the Christian life apart from it. We're to pray at all times. Because all times in our life demand it. All sorts of times. All sorts of circumstances. All sorts of situations are reminders to us that we need God. And we receive Him more and more, if you will, through prayer. A failure then to pray is nothing less than spiritual suicide. Now, we may not have taken our spiritual life through a lack of prayer. But if we are failing in this discipline, we are in the process of taking our spiritual life, of robbing it of all of its power and all of its significance in our life. A failure to pray is self-reliance. It's self-arrogance. It's pride. Prayer is a necessity for life. Fourth, prayer is a work of the Spirit. Prayer is a work of the Spirit. In verse 18 it says we are to pray in the Spirit. And the Spirit here is a reference to the Holy Spirit. This is not a a reference to something mystical or magical Or an out-of-body experience as some people would have us to believe. Although, I would say that prayer takes us to another world. It takes us to another place. 
This is not a reference to speaking in tongues or in some gibberish form of language that nobody can understand. To pray in the Spirit speaks of who must be present for us to really pray. And that's the Spirit of God in us. It speaks to how we have access to God. And we have access to God through Christ, through His Spirit who lives in us. It speaks of what connects us to God. And that's Christ through His Spirit. To pray in the Spirit speaks to what type of exercise prayer is. It is a spiritual exercise. It's not a physical exercise primarily. It's not even a mental exercise primarily. It's a spiritual exercise primarily. It's worship. It's a form of worship which Jesus said in John chapter 4 to the Samaritan woman is a spiritual exercise, an exercise in spirit and in truth. Praying in the Spirit is also a reference to what type of exercise prayer isn't. It's not a human exercise. It's not an exercise of the flesh. At least, true prayer isn't. It's a work of the Spirit. The Spirit initiates prayer in our lives. Why do you think we're moved to pray? Is it coming from ourselves? No, it's coming from the Spirit of God who is in us. The Spirit empowers our prayers. The Spirit interprets our prayers to God. Sometimes we can't put our prayers in, in words. We just hurt before God. We may groan verbally and our groans sometimes may not be verbal. But we're pouring out our hearts before God without words. And the Spirit, the Scripture says, is interpreting those very groans, moans, words, pains of our heart to God our Father. Praying in the Spirit has to do with praying according to the will of God. That's what it means to pray in the Spirit. And if you want to ensure that you pray according to the will of God then start by praying the Spirit-inspired Word of God. Donald Whitney is one of our best as Southern Baptist. He's a Southern Baptist scholar, a professor in one of our seminaries. If you ever want to read a book on spiritual disciplines of the Christian life, his is considered the preeminent one, not just among Southern Baptists, but Christianity in America, certainly in the modern age. Recently, he has released a book called Praying the Scripture. Prayer is a work of the Spirit. Fifth, prayer is our means of communicating with God. Verse 18 says, with every prayer and request. Now the Bible is the way that God communicates to us primarily. He communicates in our conscience. He communicates in creation. But primarily, God communicates to us through the Bible. Our relationship with God is not simply a monologue, though. It's a dialogue. It's a two-way thing. 
And because He has spoken to us, we in turn can speak back to Him. And the Bible teaches us how to speak to God. What to speak to God. How to pray. As we pray, we communicate our worship to God. We communicate our reverence for God. We communicate adoration and praise of God. We communicate our thanksgiving for what God has done for us. We communicate confession of our sin, repentance. We communicate requests that we have personally. We communicate intercession as we'll talk about more later on on behalf of others. We're a people who need help. Amen? And prayer is the way that we receive that help from God and communicate to God a heart that says, I know I need you. I know I need your help. How much does peace mean to you? Peace in your heart. Well, prayer is a means to receiving peace. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The song says, oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what pain we needless bear. All because we do not carry. Everything to God in prayer. You do know that when I say that prayer is a way that we communicate with God, that I don't mean, nor does the Bible mean, that prayer is the way that we inform God of what's going on in our lives. We're not praying for God's benefit. That's why Jesus said, you don't have to use a whole lot of words and babble and repeat yourself. And that's why we aren't dependent on our prayers being eloquent to be effective. Jesus said, God knows what you need before you ever need Him. So it's not about informing Him. It's for our benefit. Do you know who is really informed when we pray? We are. Through praying, we are informed of the presence of God in our life. We're informed of the concern of God for our lives. We're informed of our great need constantly. And we're informed constantly of God's abundant, limitless supply. We're informed as we pray continually that God is our hope and our answer. Prayer is a way of getting things out. Prayer is a way of building and growing our relationship with God. Failure to pray then says that we don't want to talk with God. We don't want to spend time with God. There's something going on in our lives that would keep us from wanting to be with Him. That we don't value that relationship with Him. Prayer is our means of communicating with God. Sixth, prayer is a sign of alertness. Verse 18 says, stay alert in this. Elsewhere, the Bible says, be sober minded, which means to be alert. And the reason the Bible would say here and elsewhere things like this is because we're in a war against a powerful enemy. 
First Peter 5, 8 says, be serious, be sober for your enemy, your adversary, the devil, Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you really look into that verse, it would seem to indicate that it's you he's after. Me that he's after. A failure to pray is spiritual sleep. And we've got to admit that that's what a lot of us are doing, right? We're awake to the world, but we're asleep spiritually. All the while, the alarm is sounding. What? 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 And we're... And the Scripture says repeatedly, Wake up! For some of you, that was literal, right? It's lunchtime already? Reveille is playing. The trumpet is sounding. A failure to pray is a lack of vigilance. It indicates a lack of awareness, a lack of discernment of the times that we live in, a lack of concern for what's going on. Prayer is a sign of alertness. Seventh, prayer is an exercise that requires perseverance. Verse 18 says, with all perseverance. Now, we know that we are to persevere in our faith and in the faith. And for true believers, they will. We're also to persevere in prayer. Prayer is persevering faith. Prayer is not a one-time thing. Prayer requires perseverance. That's why Jesus told a story about a helpless widow. The point of which was to pray and never give up. I've heard it put this way before, that in prayer we should push. We should pray until something happens. Prayer, though, doesn't just require perseverance. It demonstrates perseverance. It demonstrates that we are not quitting. That we won't stop believing that we haven't. Now, God can work in an instant. But very rarely, if ever, is the work of God instantaneous. An instantaneous decision. An instantaneous action. There's always more behind the scenes that's been going on before. God works over time. He works through time. A failure to pray is a failure then to persevere. And therefore a failure to really pray. And therefore, just a failure. Prayer is an exercise that requires perseverance. Eighth, prayer is how we are most helpful to other Christians. It's the way we can be the biggest help to our brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for them. Verse 18 says, an intercession for all the saints. You see, this reminds us that prayer, and for that matter, the Christian life, is not just about us. It's not just about what we need. Church is not about what I want individually or even what I need individually. It's about the body. 
Biblical commands like praying in an intercessory way on behalf of another reminds us of this. Reminds us it's about our brothers and sisters. It's about what they need, about what we need. We have a duty to serve and to help them. And the primary way that we can do it is through prayer. And sometimes I've said it or heard others say, well, what else can I do for you? I'll pray, but what else can I do for you? As if prayer is all that we can do. I'll tell you what, you just pray for me. Because that brings in all that God can do. Not just all that you can do. Or all that I can do. Speaking of that, I thank you then for praying for me. And for my family. And I thank you for praying for others in the church. Thank you for the concern that it demonstrates. Intercession is a way that we show it. Thank you for your service and your help to others in this way. Thank you for being like Jesus who prayed for His disciples. Thank you for being like the Holy Spirit of God who prays on behalf of the children of God. Thank you for being a faithful priest in the kingdom of God by bringing others before God. A failure to pray then shows a lack of concern for others. Just like we said two weeks ago, a a lack of faithfulness in church attendance shows a lack of concern for others in the church. A failure to pray for them shows the same lack of concern. It shows selfishness. A lack of desire to serve and to help. A lack of understanding about how things work and how God works. Real quickly, let me point out two ways that prayer helps others in verses 19 and 20. First of all, verse 19 shows us that prayer helps others share the gospel. Paul says in verse 19, Pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Prayer helps others share the gospel. That's why I asked them to pray for it. It helps others to share the gospel boldly. And remember, this is how we accomplish our mission. Through the sharing of the gospel. We participate then in the ministry of the gospel. We are partners then in the ministry of the gospel through prayer. And then verse 20 teaches us that prayer helps others overcome their fear. Paul says, for this I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough in Him to speak as I should. Did you notice he mentioned there for the second time in two verses, boldness? Why? Because when it comes to sharing the gospel, we have a natural tendency to fear, don't we? Do you know what will bring persecution into the life of the believer more quickly than anything else? Be a bold witness for Jesus. You'll start getting it. Because people don't want to hear about it. And for Paul, the persecution was severe. What did he say? (laughs) I mean, where was he writing this from? From prison. The prayer of the early church when persecuted started... Persecution started in Acts 4 was God give us boldness. And He shook the church and filled them with the Spirit of God so that they could have just that boldness.
Prayer is how we are most helpful to other Christians. Have you heard these motivations? These encouragements to prayer? This would mean yes. I could go over them again if you want me to. Do you understand how praying is so important to our accomplishing our mission? Well, what will you do now? What should we do? How about praying individually in your personal time with the Lord? We talk about that in our church covenant. How about praying for the church? For the church accomplishing its mission of glorifying God by making disciples. I've often thought, and I'm talking about myself personally, that when I do have requests for prayer, how often do those requests sound like the things that people were praying for in the Bible? I find most of the prayers in the Bible, especially those in the New Testament, to be about the advance of the gospel. The saving of souls. The growth of believers. What can you do? What should you do? Pray with the church. Be a part of our prayer services. Pray for prayer. Pray that we would be devoted to it. Pray that you would. So what is your relationship to prayer? Maybe better to ask from that, what's your relationship to God? Have you turned from your sins and trusted on Jesus to save you? Are you, even today, turning from your sins and trusting on Jesus to save you? If you have not... If you are not, will you turn from your sins to Christ in faith that He is Lord and Savior and what He's done in His life and death and resurrection can forgive you of your sins and make you right with God and give you eternal life. During this time of invitation, let's get to the work of prayer. And in response to this message, let's continue in the discipline and the spiritual activity of prayer so that we then can accomplish our mission, so that disciples will be made, so that God will be glorified. All through prayer. Would you stand with me and bow your heads and close your eyes?